Blog Talk Radio. The following program is brought to you in living color. There's something screwy around here. How many lives must you ruin? on your lap. Well, oh, and and the cat is what I was talking about. The yeah. cat. I meant the cat. Yeah. He's, he's not really a pussy. He's a, a, a neutered Tom. And he's really only, what, not four months old, thereabouts? No, a little over three. And a little bit over three. Somewhere between three and four. Well, the big summit to end all summits uh, took place yesterday in the uh, little tiny town of Singapore. And uh, we're left to wonder what to make of it. Did Trump get anything for this? Did he give away the store? What? What's the deal? What? What? Did it go like we predicted yesterday it would? In the hours immediately before the historic summit, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and National Security Advisor John Bolton discussed their concerns about President Trump meeting the Korean leader without anybody present except an interpreter. I don't know what you're worried about, John. I think he has a good grasp of the situation. I don't know, Mr. Secretary. I'm afraid he's just going to give away the entire candy store in return for some vain promises and platitudes. (laughs) I don't think you're giving the president anywhere near enough credit, Mr. Bolton. Well, maybe not, but I am concerned nonetheless. Let's just keep our fingers crossed and hope he doesn't give away Park Avenue or anything like that. (laughs) Now you're just being silly. All right, interpreter lady, this is very important. I need you to tell Mr. Jong-un that unless he's willing to make a deal right here, right now, and tell the world that I am the greatest leader in the history of Western civilization, that I will get on the plane and go home. And that means no burger joint in Pyongyang. Say it just like that, but in Korean, 
so he'll understand it. The bloated orange clown says you can have anything you want as long as you declare he is smarter than Obama and much more handsome. Tell the donor that I will declare that his feces has the aroma of spring flowers and the taste of ice cream if you will remove the American Armed Forces from Korea and remove nuclear protections from Japan. Oh boy, Nobel Peace Prize. Here I come. Take that, Obama. <laughs> A year later. All right, everybody be quiet. They're about to announce on the television who gets the Nobel Peace Prize this year. I'm a shoe-in. I don't know, Mr. President. After you made that horrific deal with Kim Jong-un last year, he went ahead and invaded the South, and because all of our troops were gone and we didn't promise a nuclear protective umbrella over the Korean Peninsula and Japan, he not only took over South Korea, but he took over Japan, too. Quiet, you. I don't have room in my administration for naysayers. You're fired. And gentlemen, we are Trump and uh, the Kim Jong-un sat down to meet and uh, uh, Kim decided, oh yeah, we're going to, we're going to denuke this time. And we really, really mean it. Not, not like all the other times where we promised to do it before this time we really, really mean it. And then Trump checked to make sure his fingers weren't crossed or any of that other stuff. That's the kind of verification that's going into this. My God, I, I mean, just my God, what's come of this? It, Trump has given legitimacy to this monster, to this guy who kills his own people. Jump in here at any time. He's a, <laughs> and I'm just sitting here rolling my eyes because he's a moron. We can hear the ligaments stretching. He is an utter moron. Well, shut- I don't think it's quite as bad as a prediction. But it's not good either. I I think it's actually worse than the prediction. Here's what uh, Shep Smith had to say about it. Remember, this is Fox News talking here. As soon as it decides to play. Come on, play. You can see it for yourself. I'm pressing the button. There it goes. We had a a really fantastic meeting. A lot of progress. uh, Really very positive. I think better than anybody could have expected. The United States made concessions in exchange for no hard promises, stopping joint military exercises with South Korea, while North Korea makes a vague commitment to work together toward denuclearization. The agreement the leaders signed is very short on specifics. We'll look at what really came out of the summit in Singapore and what happens next. 
plus reaction from Washington and around the world as some cheer, others have warnings. And what this means for the U.S. military and security and the future. Let's get to it. Now, Shepard Smith reporting live from the Fox News Deck. First from the Fox News Deck, this Tuesday afternoon, the talk happened, hands shaken, photos taken, and during a private meeting, promises were apparently made. But who wanted what? Well, America demanded complete, verifiable, and irreversible denuclearization, CVID, complete, verifiable, irreversible denuclearization. There is no guarantee of that, not even words to that effect. And we may not know for years whether we're actually now on that road or left in the potholes of paths past. But Kim Jong-un, he wanted the photos, the seat at the table. He wanted the legitimacy that came with the event, the handshake with America's president. And he wanted those military exercises with the Americans and the South Koreans that happen every year to stop. Kim Jong-un got it all for actually doing nothing. Plus, he got a promise, lacking specifics, granted, of security for the North Korean regime, a regime that has an estimated 120,000 political prisoners across the nation, a regime that tortures and murders its own citizens, imprisons children for the actions of parents and grandparents, and a leader who has committed crimes against humanity. President Trump insisted the people of the most entrenched land in all the world, North Korea, love their leader. President Trump says he trusts Chairman Kim and that he's ready to start a new chapter with North Korea. What will the president's special bond with Kim Jong-un mean for the U.S. and its allies? No specifics. President Trump and Kim signed a joint statement after almost five hours of talks. And in the document, the North Korean leader, quote, reaffirmed his firm and unwavering commitment to complete denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. No specifics of how to do it. No timeline on getting it done. No verification. No inspection. No nothing else. Just generalities. President Trump called the North Korean dictator very talented and praised him. The United Nations has called him one of the most brutal and repressive regimes in modern history. The president also told Sean Hannity he thinks the dictator Kim Jong-un will start getting rid of his nukes right away. I just think that we are now going to start the process of denuclearization of North Korea. And I believe that he's going back and will start it virtually immediately. And he's already indicated that. And you look at what he's done. We cannot look at what he's done. He hasn't even copped to what capabilities he has what weapons he possesses, much less allowed anyone to come take a gander. As for the military exercises with South Korea, a 300 or so thousand person strong event that takes the whole year to plan and coordinate with members of both nations' militaries operating in tandem with the goal of practicing defense against attack. President Trump canceled those without so much as a phone call or a text message to South Korean leaders. President Trump called Operation Key Resolve the provocative war games, and he nixed them. We have more on that, plus the latest reaction from Washington to Seoul. But first, while walking side by side on the meeting grounds, the dictator, Kim, pointed to the, the surrealness of it all 
According to a translation of his comments, he told President Trump, people watching all over the world probably think the two of us are walking together is some scene from a science fiction movie. Our chief White House correspondent, John Roberts, was along for the ride in Singapore. Hello, John. Good afternoon to you, Shep. Good morning to you from Singapore. You know, President Trump himself during the State of the Union address back in January called Kim Jong-un a, quote, brutal dictator and said that North Korea was one of the most oppressive regimes in the world. But the president saying at a press conference yesterday afternoon that he is willing to sit down with Kim to try to save the lives of tens of millions of people who might be killed if there were some sort of nuclear conflagration between the United States and North Korea over the fact that Kim Jong-un is building up that nuclear arsenal. Now, the president's critics have called this a glorified photo op. The president prefers to say this is the beginning of a process, but as you pointed out, it is a process that is notably vague at the present time, particularly on the issue of verification. Kim Jong-un has promised that he will seek the complete, or at least work toward, the complete denuclearization of the, North, of the Korean Peninsula, but at the moment, there is no kind of regime to verify uh, that his promises will actually come to pass. The president, in that press conference yesterday, saying it'll all be worked out. Listen here. It's going to be achieved by having a lot of people there. And as we develop a certain trust, Secretary Pompeo has been really doing a fantastic job, his staff, everybody. As we do that, we're going to have a lot of people there, and we're going to be working with them on a lot of other things. But this is complete denuclearization of North Korea, and it will be verified. The president getting criticism, notably from Democrats on Capitol Hill, for giving Kim too much in the terms of security guarantees. You mentioned it, Shep, the suspension of the joint U.S.-South Korean military exercises. The president insisting he gave nothing away and said if the negotiations don't go the way he hopes, he will restart those exercises. Shep? What did President Trump say are the next steps in this, John? Next steps, of course, are, are meetings to try to flesh everything out. Those meetings will be led primarily by the Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. The National Security Advisor John Bolton will also be involved. It should be noted that Bolton is no pushover when it comes to North Korea. I mean, he nearly derailed uh, the whole summit when he said that he thinks that the United States is looking at, quote, the Libyan model uh, for denuclearization of North Korea. So it's, it's not likely that the North Koreans would get too much over on John Bolton. Uh, I, I asked Mike Pompeo because he was sitting right in front of me before the president uh, uh, came out. I said, so how are the Chinese feeling about all of this? And he said, I'll tell you when I meet with them later this week, Shep. John Roberts live for us. Thank you. Let's turn to someone else who's come face to face with the North Korean leader. Bill Richardson, former U.S. Ambassador to the United Nations, who met with Kim Jong-un, Kim Jong-il's father, or I should say Kim Jong-un's father, Kim Jong-il. Good to see you, Ambassador. Thank you, Shep. We're not warring. That's great. Aside from that, what do you think? Well, what I think, Di, is that we got played for saps. Now, we knew we were going to get played for saps. Anybody with half a brain knew we were going to get played for saps. Unfortunately, we seem to have a president who doesn't have half a brain. That's true. I'm looking at hardball on the TV right now as we're doing this show. As a matter of fact, right now we are live. It's 15 minutes after 7 o'clock Eastern Daylight Time on this Tuesday, June 12, 2018. They just showed a, a statement from Trump saying that uh, 
that uh, Otto, Otto Lambeer, the American who was beaten to death, uh, sent back in a coma and died from his captivity in North Korea, that none of this, that, that Otto Lambeer made this happen, that none of this would have happened without Otto Lambeer. So all it took for a dictator, a cruel dictator, to get something his father desired above everything else, something his grandfather desired above everything else, a sit-down meeting with a sitting president of the United States, all it took was to beat an American to death. And now I'm looking right now, the uh, Chiron says, North Koreans held in gulags are, quote, great winners today, as, quote, Kim will do something about it. No, he won't. Well, yeah, he will. I think he will. Flattery gets you everything. And all Kim had to do was flatter Donald Trump. He had to tell him what a great guy he was, what a great leader he was, and Trump opened the pantry and shoveled out the goods, and now North Korea walks off with a victory, and we get nothing. Although, Trump did produce a really, did you, did you hear about this, this, this video, the trailer, the movie trailer that he yeah. showed to Kim? No. Well, here, listen to this. I want to play some of the video uh, that the president in the White House played for Kim Jong-un at the start of the Singapore summit. It really was portrayed like a movie trailer. Uh, let's roll some of that tape. Two leaders, one destiny. A story about a special moment in time when a man is presented with one chance that may never be repeated. What will he choose? To show vision and leadership? Or not. Bobby, uh, are the North Koreans naive enough that that might work? I mean, I realize that they live in a, in a secluded kind of environment, but... Uh, Listen, in a, in a normal environment, if, if this meeting had come and this video had come after a long period of negotiation discussions, I would assume that the CIA had done some real intensive psych analysis of the president, of, of the chairman of North Korea, and had decided that this is exactly the kind of thing that might appeal to his, uh, his vanity. Uh, given how soon we've, we've put all of these things together, I'm skeptical that that's the case. I'm really very skeptical. What did you think when you saw that video? Was that Dennis Rodman? That's, that's uh, I think it was Michael Jordan, but I'm not oh. sure. There is a Sly Stallone cameo, though, if you, if you look closely enough. I missed that. Uh, I thought it was bizarre. I thought it was incredibly shallow and bizarre. And, uh, but, you know, we've seen worse things. Scott, one of your fellow conservatives, uh, Eric Erickson, uh, tweeted, uh, if Obama had done what Trump just did, Republicans would be demanding his impeachment. Uh, is that unfair? Well, I think that the difference is is that Obama was never prepared, I think, to go all the way on sanctions or go all the way on the military option. That's the core difference here, is that Trump was willing to do more than previous administrations to punish these North Koreans into being better uh, actors on the world stage. So uh, that's a, uh, he's welcome to his opinion. I just happen to think that it's the president's resolve and the deepness of the sanctions uh, that no one else was willing to do that really got us to where we are. Regarding that movie trailer, I actually do think uh, there's been more conversations going on behind the scenes for a longer period of time than we know about. I think it's possible the president and Kim may have spoken before. I think it's highly likely that they know that that kind of thing would flatter him. And look, we elected a salesman as the president of the United States, and he's putting a sales pitch.
switch on these people that you can be more like the rest of us, have peace and prosperity and wealth, and the world will be a better place. That's what he is selling, and we hope they're buying it. That's one of the things that drives me nuts about CNN, and that's where that report came from, Yeah. they got to make sure they put somebody on there who will spin the Trump lie. It was the depth of the uh, sanctions that Trump put on. Who put the sanctions on? It wasn't yeah. Trump. It was it was Obama. And before exactly. Obama, it was it was Bush. Before Bush, it was Clinton. Those in, those sanctions were in place and enforced and and tightened under the previous administrations that Trump blames for everything. Exactly. But we're supposed to just forget that. And CNN doesn't challenge them on that. They just let them spill that that garbage out, and CNN go, okay, you. We have to tell both sides of the story. My God, this is Broadway Bill Choose the News, 20 after 7. If you want to call in, you can. It's 323-642-1474. That's 323-642-1474. Our Twitter handle is at BroadwayBillBTR, all one word. And we're going to review the trajectory of the relationship between Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un coming up in a little bit. But isn't it nice to know that here at the end of all things, Donald Trump trusts Kim Jong-un? I don't want to think about the depth of that relationship. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, I did, we did see that cute cartoon yesterday of the two of them in, a, in the hot tub. Yeah. Um, this is uh, from the interview Trump gave to George Stephanopoulos after his meeting. With little Kim. How do you trust him, though? Is he willing to change? Do you believe he's well, changed? Well, you know, over my lifetime, I've done a lot of deals with a lot of people, and sometimes the people that you most distrust turn out to be the most honorable ones, and the people that you do trust, they are not the honorable ones. So uh, we are starting from a very high plane. We're starting from a very good relationship. This has been a very big day in terms of the world. I think it's been maybe... I. A lot of people are saying We're it's historic. Calling it historic. Yeah, even my enemies are calling it historic. And you know, the fact is that we've done something that's very unique. Nobody's met with the family. Nobody at a high level. No president has. No president has, certainly. And we've done something that we're very proud of. It's a very strong his, document. His father made agreements with the United States and then said he was going to freeze sure. nuclear weapons and then backslid didn't keep right. the commitment. Right. And he talks about that. He said that, you know, there are reasons he didn't because he was let down by the United States, but that's irrelevant. What he's doing, and, and he very much said that. He said, you know, over the years, first of all, they've never gone this far. You know, they've never been at a level like this, and his father never dealt with the president and a lot of other things. But he said, he, it's very much in his mind. He said, we are going to get this done. In the past, we've tried, but it never worked out. And it never did work out. And it was embarrassing, actually, to the United States and to our leadership. This is different. I believe you'll find in the years to come, George, I think you're going to find this different. How are you going to know he's keeping his word, he's committed to this? Well, we're going to be following things. We're going to be monitoring things. We're dealing with him very on a constant basis. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo did a very, very good job, great energy, and they have a great relationship. His counterpart, they have a really good relationship. They're moving along. They're getting it done. I mean, I've been up 24 hours now straight between phone calls and, you know, working it. This is a very, look, this is 72 years we're talking about, and we put it into 
one very intensive day and some meetings before him. And, uh, but a lot of people look at Kim Jong-un and say there is no way he is ever giving up those nuclear weapons. That's why he survives. That's why he was in this room today. Well, I think we have to disagree. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. Or I would have respectfully, you know, I would have shaken his hand. I would have said, listen, I'll see you sometime. But I wouldn't have had any interest. No, this was very important. It's in the first paragraph. And it says complete, total denuclearization. Without that, I wouldn't have been interested. Uh, I believe that he wants to get it done. You trust him? I do trust him, yeah. Now, will I come back to you in a year and you'll be interviewing? I'll say, gee, I made a mistake. That's always possible. So, you know, we're dealing at a very high level. A lot of things can change. A lot of things are possible. He trusts me, I believe. I really do. I mean, he said openly, and he said it to a couple of reporters that were with him, that he knows that no other president ever could have done this. I mean, no other pre he knows the presidents. He knows who we had in front of me. He said no other president could have done this. I think he trusts me, and I trust him. Ronald Reagan said trust but verify. Yeah. How do you verify this commitment? Well, we're going to be verifying, and we're going to be working with them, and it's going to be much more open than it is right now. Right now, it's obviously very close. It's a closed society. We know very little about, you know, if you ask intelligence, they will tell you probably they know less about this area of the world than they do any place anywhere in the world. We're going to be working very closely with them. We've developed great relationships at different levels. Uh, Mike Pompeo's got really very good, strong relationships, and others have also. Uh, today, we introduced them to John Bolton, which was a very interesting thing. And he says, "How do you know Kim Jong and his line? His lips are moving." By the end of that conversation, it was good. I think they have good trust. Yeah, they have good trust. John Bolton trusts Kim Jong Un. Yeah. Well, you see, here's the thing. You're always showing me the thing. This is why none of the other presidents have ever done this. They refused to reward Kim for the brutal human rights, human rights violations that he commits. Trump did what any president could have done. Any president knew better than to do this. You don't elevate a bloodthirsty dictator to legitimacy by giving him a sit-down with a sit basically fluffing him the whole time. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, Kim's father, Kim Jong-il, and really wanted to. They really wanted to, but the United States let them down. That's our president saying that. That's our president saying that it's the United States' fault that Kim Jong-un is killing people in his own country. That relationship has certainly evolved over time. Attention, attention. You are now directed to listen silently and with foremost reverence and concentration to a wonderful new song written and performed by the great general, a dear leader, Kim Jong-un, who wrote the words and music and played all the instruments by himself to bring glory to the Democratic Republic of Korea. Silence now. Silence. I launched again last night with spite. Kim Jong-un scare the world and I'm making Trump look like a little girl did you see the look on his face 
I hate that twump so much. I love my job. I keep the world in fear. And pretty soon we fight. Oh, you betcha plenty. Gonna be a great big fight. Think it's gonna be a long, long time So anyone can sleep in peace at night I'm not the man Donald thinks that I am Oh no, no, no I'm the walking man Walking man Burning up the world because I can I'm gonna have some of my workers embroidered that on one of my jackets Think it's gonna be a long, long time So anyone can sleep in peace at night I'm not the man Donald thinks that I am Oh no, no, no I'm the walking man Walking man Burning up the world because I can Kim Jong-un is the walking man Yang's my kind of town They worship me We get electricity here In fact, it's cool as hell Especially when we have air conditioning And there's no one here to stop me When I play All I gotta do is point a finger at somebody And boom, he's gone <laughs> And all this power I hold in my hand Which are much larger than Donald's I am a god who rules the world The walking man The walking man By the way, criticizing my singing is punishable by death And I think it's gonna be a long, long time so anybody can sleep in peace at night I'm not the man that Donald thinks I am Oh no, no, no I'm the walking man Walking man Burning up the world because I can This song moved to the top of the North Korean charts With a bullet And I think it's gonna be a long, long time Anybody can sleep in peace at night I'm not the man that Donald thinks I am Oh no, no, no I'm the walking man Walking man Burning up the world because I can And I think it's gonna be a long, long time Or maybe a couple weeks, I don't know and I think it's gonna be a long, long time Maybe uh, even tonight, huh? And I think it's gonna be a long, long time Oh, I might make you wait for weeks and weeks And I think it's gonna be a long, long time What do you think, Dennis Wadman? And I think it's gonna be a long, long time Yo, white What? And I think it's gonna be a long, long time Uh, you said I was white And I think it's gonna be a long, long time Thank you, Dennis
I think it's going to be a long, long time. By the way, just because you played NBA former basketball player doesn't mean you get to talk back to me. You are what I say you are. Got it? Yeah, I thought so. Quickly, die. That relationship changed. Yeah. Not they stopped calling each other names, and uh, next thing you knew, they were just the the bestest of friends. They were just a couple of good old boys. I think it's good that we're setting aside our differences to work for world peace. Yes, I've been able to put aside my disgust for you. Well, I claim that Obama lied about his place of birth. I've been thinking for making weapons to destroy the earth. I've cheated around on my wife. I did this girl to take my brother's life. But other than that, we ain't nothing just good old boys. I saluted with Russians to win back in 16. Paid my uncle to pigs and filmed it all because I'm mean. I fired the head of the FBI when well, you had to, cause he wouldn't lie. But other than that, 
best friend You have news That you're keeping You're a man Child no one should defend You have broken All agreements But as of now You're my best I love you, Kim Jong-un. Make North Korea great again. Broadway Bill. Insightful political analysis from someone who really doesn't care. Tradition tells of seven deadly sins. They are, in no particular order, wrath, pride, greed, envy, lust, sloth and gluttony, using Donald Trump's own words. The purpose of Bill Schmalfeld's new book, Donald Trump and the Seven Deadly Sins, is to review his public utterances, largely on Twitter but even before that medium was available to the public, to see how the President of the United States of America measures up against the Seven Deadly Sins, and how the so-called moral arbiters of society have rationalized those transgressions away to justify their continued support of this deeply flawed yet historically significant public figure, Donald Trump, and the Seven Deadly Sins, by Bill Schmalfeld, available now on Amazon, in Kindle and paperback. For more information, visit trumpthumpers.podbean.com. Frankly, I think my credibility is probably higher than the media's. Thankfully, the president hasn't done anything wrong. I work every single day instead of reporting the news. Attacking the president, trying to tear me down. Once again, the president hasn't done anything wrong. The president hasn't done anything wrong. Thankfully, the president hasn't done anything wrong. Once again, the president hasn't done anything wrong. Frankly, I think my credibility is probably higher than the media's. Accurate and up-to-date information. I work every single day trying to tear me down instead of reporting the news. Trying to tear me down. Thankfully, the president hasn't done anything wrong. <laughs> Once again, the president hasn't done anything wrong. Good information, good information. I work every single day instead of reporting the news. I don't know how many times I have to address this. The president hasn't done anything wrong. Attacking the president. Attacking the president. The president hasn't done anything wrong. Thankfully, the president hasn't done anything wrong. Once again, the president hasn't done anything wrong. Tear me down, tear me down, tear me down.
down, hear me down, hear me down, hear me down. Good information, good information, good information. Hear me down, hear me down. Good information, good information, good information. Accurate and up to date information instead of reporting the news. I work every single day. Hear me down. I work every single day attacking the president instead of reporting the news. Frankly, I think my credibility is probably higher than the media. Trump's description 
of Kim Jong-un included language that he usually reserves for himself. For instance, he called Kim very talented. Kim's people have a great fervor for him, although it's not voluntary, you know. Uh, And Trump trusts him. Kim is a rough guy, but he's also smart, and he wants a lot of good things because he loves his people. No. He loves his people. He loves to torture them. Trump said he has great chemistry with Kim, and he'd love to have him at the White House, but meeting him in Singapore was a great honor. ...of the American flag stood up against the North Korean flag, and actually I would rather see the American flag posted in a pile of horse crap. I would rather see the American flag burnt in the ashes scattered on Lincoln's grave. It belongs... Then see it next to the North Korean flag. It doesn't belong next to the North Korean flag. Uh, In the wake of the Trump-Kim summit, Trump's allies have been quick to note, as I said earlier, that other presidents have met with foreign leaders accused of violent criminal acts. Back to 1938, one of the most remarkable encounters between a U.S. president and a notorious foreign leader came in 1938 when former President Herbert Hoover sat down with Adolf Hitler. The New York Times reported on their private meeting, quote, former President Herbert Hoover appears to have given Chancellor Adolf Hitler at noon today the unusual experience of hearing doubt cast fundamental ideas of national socialism and on the likelihood that it will be a successful system of government, the Times reported. Mr. Hoover is reported to have pointed out that the American people do not believe that social progress is possible without intellectual liberty. Hoover, like other U.S. presidents, reserved his praise for Germans as opposed to their leader. Mr. Hoover answered by praising modern Germany's technical and scientific accomplishments and referred briefly to his satisfaction at having been able to help the Germans to some extent in the hard years directly following the First World War. Kennedy, John F. Kennedy, in 1961, he met with Nikita Khrushchev in Vienna. That was not a huge success, which certainly would have disinclined Kennedy from wanting to shower Khrushchev with praise, even if he had considered doing so. Instead, Kennedy said that, quote, Mr. Khrushchev and I had a very full and frank exchange of views on the major issues that now divide our two countries. I will tell you now that it was a very sober two days, concluded. There was no discourtesy, no tempers, no threats or ultimatums by either side. No advantage or concession was either gained or given. No major decision was either planned or taken. No spectacular progress was either achieved or pretended. He added, neither of us tried to merely please the other, to agree merely to be agreeable, to say what the other wanted to hear. Neither of us was there to dictate a sentiment or to convert the other to a cause or to concede our basic interests. If only Trump were a leader like John F. Kennedy. Richard Nixon. He went to China in 1972. An unprecedented thing for an American president to do. Took everybody by surprise. He was more effusive about the activity he participated in than he was about the country's leadership. He said, Our primary goal of this trip was to uh, reestablish communication with the People's Republic of China after a generation of hostility, we achieved a goal. 
Nixon said. We both realize that a bridge of understanding that spans almost 12,000 miles and 22 years of hostility can't be built in one week of discussions. But we have agreed to begin to build that bridge, recognizing that our work will require years of patient effort. Years of patient effort to bridge a gap that had existed at that time for 22 years. The Korean War effectively ended in 1953. 65 years ago. And Trump thinks he solved it all in a one-day summit. Good luck with that. Bill Clinton, remember him? Yeah. He went to North Korea during Obama's administration trying to help to free two imprisoned journalists. North Korea media claimed that Clinton had apologized for American the, the journalist actions, uh, which Clinton quickly denied. Clinton sitting for a photograph with Kim Jong-un, who was uh, uh, Kim Jong-il, that is, who's Kim Jong-un's father. He was criticized for even having his picture taken with Kim Jong-il. But Clinton offered no words of praise for the elder Kim. Consider for a moment this comment from Sean Hannity at the time about the Clinton visit. He said, I thought John Bolton had a great line. He said, this comes perilously close to negotiating with a terrorist. And you know, it's a bad idea in terms we should try to avoid, you know, negotiating with rogue states and terrorists in general, and that it's encouraging bad behavior. That's what Hannity said then. Different tune today. Obama, for himself, his own purposes, had a rather mechanical, unemotional way of describing his interactions with Cuba's Raul Castro. I want to thank President Castro for the spirit of openness and courtesy he has shown during an interaction, he said, in April 2015. The two had both concluded that we can disagree with the spirit of respect and civility, and that it's possible for us, for us to turn the page and develop a new relationship in our two countries. He didn't say Castro being a beloved and talented leader. No. In 2016, Obama said, I want to thank you for the courtesy and the spirit of openness that you've shown during our talk. Didn't say a thing about Castro or his brother being smart. No. Or talented or loving their people or being loved by their people. That's what leadership used to look like. Now, Trump wants a big boy, Trump. Parade. Handyguns is what I say. I want to put our weapons on display and make the troops more flying groups that would be fun. Our might and power thus displayed would make a great and beautiful parade. Sing hail to Trump. I'm not a Trump like him. Jump. You might say that I'm a wannabe dictator trying to compensate for my tiny dink or that I am just a mental masturbator but I really don't care what the morons think. I'm the boss, I'm the man, I'm Donald Trump. I was just a kid, I made K soldiers march at big pretend parade. I was large, the man in charge, and that but lost. Now I show off my toys of death, the greatest man who ever drew a breath, and you'll have to see and thus agree that I'm the boss. 
Get em all, cheer me, know that they fear me at the big boy trump parade. So just saluting them for this beating, it's my big boy cat monkey. Nuclear missiles generate whistles from the crowd that came to see Donald Trump, Donald Trump, at his big boy trump parade. Hear them all cheer me, know that they fear me at the big boy trump parade. So just saluting them for this beating, it's my big boy cat Nuclear missiles generate missiles from the crowd that came to see Donald Trump, Donald Trump, at his big point on parade.
we're glad to see that you're back making public appearances again, and uh, we're gratified to know that you're doing well. It is gratifying to the human woman who is married to my beloved husband and President of the United States, Donald J. Trump, to know that his subjects were concerned about my alleged condition and now that I have appeared in public in highly controlled and protected circumstances, it is clear that all further concern about the health of the FLOTUS unit are no longer warranted and should cease at once. Uh, as long as I have you on the phone, Mrs. Trump, uh, Stormy Daniels filed another lawsuit today. Do you have any comment about that whole Stormy Daniels situation? I, Melania Trump 2.0, thank you for the opportunity to address this serious and topical substance of news and controversy. End communication. And that's the show. Phone will be ringing in three, two, one. Hello. Please hold for the president. Hello, Sean. Hello, Mr. President. How's Melania doing? Who? Melania, your wife? My wife? The current one. Oh, yeah, her. She's still in Bethesda. How did the surgery go? I was sort of surprised to hear she was in the hospital. Was this a sudden thing? No, her uh, kidneys. Yeah, they've been noticeably sagging for a couple years now. Tighten them up, did they? The doctors, I mean? I haven't seen them yet, but I told the doctors I wanted her to have the same kidneys she had when she was in her 20s. (laughs) Firm, perky, with a cush factor like new car Car upholstery. You know, like when you're sitting in your limo and you press down on the seat with your fingers and the seat yields, but not all that much, and the moment you let go, it springs right back up at you. I know the feeling. Those are the kind of kidneys I want my wife to have. Understandable. So, any thoughts about today? Well, as usual, you handled everything absolutely perfectly. That goes without saying. Of course. Absolutely perfect, Mr. President. What did you think of my videotaped speech to the people at the Jerusalem Embassy opening? Absolutely perfect. Level with me, Sean. Did I come off as too strident? No, Mr. President. The way you squint your eyes and holler at the camera like you're yelling at kids to get off your lawn, perfect. I thought so. The American people expect their leader to exert that sort of power. Exactly. Like a grumpy, way too young looking to be a grandpa who obviously doesn't need to get a hooker or two? Exactly. That's what I was trying to project. What are you doing right now, Sean? Just wrapping up the show, Mr. President. Nothing that can't wait while we have our nightly chat. I love our nightly chat. So do I, Mr. President. Sometimes I think you're the only person in the media who gets me, Sean. It's my honor, Mr. President. You're making America great again. Greater than ever. Did you see the Israelis put my picture on a coin? Yes, sir, I saw that. Greatest coin ever. I didn't even have to ask them more than three or four times. You are the picture of humility, Mr. President. More humble than any other president in the history of the United States. No one holds a candle. Especially not Obama. He was a showboat, a self-promoter. Everyone was glad to see him leave, Mr. President. A loser. He wasn't born here, you know. 
Of course not. How could he have been? Not everybody knows that Hawaii wasn't even a state. A lot of people don't know that Hawaii didn't become a state until 1973. Oh, everybody says so, but a lot of people don't know that. That's why we need you, Donald J. Trump, to speak truth to power, Mr. President. Uh, is McCain still alive? As of tonight's show, Mr. President? I think so. Think so or know so? I think I know so. I don't understand what all the fuss is about, Sean. You mean the way the fake media has crawled all over you about the comments Kelly Sadler made? Who? Kelly Sadler in your press office. I thought her name was Sarah. No, no, that was Sarah Huckabee Sanders. She's your press secretary. Then who the hell is Kelly Sadler? She works in the White House press office. It doesn't seem likely that she would have leaked her own comment mocking the fact that John McCain is dying. I gotta find out who's doing the leaking, Sean. Can you help me with that? I can try. When someone leaks something to you, you can call me and tell me who did it, right? Well, I doubt if anyone will leak anything to me if they know I'm gonna get right on the phone and rat them out to you. Still, if someone does... Well, you'll be the first person I call. Nice metaphor. What? Nice metaphor. Metaphor. Like a word picture? You threaten to put someone's head on a spike as an example to the others? You fire that person and the others fall in line? No, I mean it. I'll, I'll chop off a fucking head and have it put on a spike. That's not no metaphone. Well, it would certainly give the media something to talk about. Oh, I'm sorry if I got you upset. Not your fault, Sean. I'm just a little cranky tonight. Worried about Melania? Who? Your wife, with the car upholstery? Oh, yeah. Ever feel a boob like that, Sean? Springy and bouncy and stain resistant? Not in a while, Mr. President. Try it sometime. Okay. Hey, gotta go. General Kelly is here with my dinner. Gotta dig in before the fries start to congeal. I'll let you get your dinner, sir. It's nice we can have these chats, Sean. I really don't have anyone else I can talk to. Anyone who gets me like you do. I'm always here for you, Mr. President. It's not wrong, is it? Is what not wrong, sir? Two men chatting like this? Like soulmates? Soulmates, brothers, however you want to phrase it, nothing wrong with it at all. It's just a perfect friendship, Sean. My thoughts exactly, President Trump. If you're ever in a jam, here I am. If you ever need a lie, I'm your guy. If a Mueller should indict and you land in jail, I'm your bail. It's friendship, friendship, just a perfect friendship. When other friendships have been forgotten, ours will still be hot. La 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 la, ding ding ding. If you're ever in a well, ring my bell. If you ever catch on fire, send a wire. If you ever lose your teeth when you're out to dine, borrow mine. It's friendship, friendship, just a perfect friendship. Another friendship to cease to gel. Ours will still be swell. Hap, hap, hap. 
If they ever black your eyes, put me wise. If they ever cook your goat, turn me loose. If they ever put a bullet through your brain, I'll complain. It's friendship, friendship, just a perfect friendship. When other friendships go up in smoke, ours will still be hope. Broadway Bill. This program is for mature audiences only. Please have your fake ID ready. You've been listening to Broadway Bill Choose the News. I'm Broadway Bill. And I'm Lady Death. Over there, bumping against the table and just pulling no, a china shop over here. No, it's more like I'm missing a wheel, so over time I leave. Oh, you're missing more than a wheel, honey. You're missing a whole cog. <laughs> I love you. Anyway, I'm, the look I'm getting. Well, Rudy's in the news again. Not in a good way, either. Donald, when is it ever? Well, not this time. Uh, he's uh, been having an affair. Oh. Well, we knew that his, uh, his most recent wife, wife number three, has filed for divorce. But it turns out he had an affair. He was, his affair was revealed right before she uh, filed for the divorce. Giuliani, he's 74 years old. He had an alleged affair with Maria Rosa Ryan. She's 53. She's married to an ex-Marine. Still married. The two were spotted at a resort in late March. Giuliani was touring the hospital that Ryan runs to learn more. Uh, he wanted to learn more about the institution's uh, cybersecurity program. No, no, it's more like he wanted to learn more about her. About how, how to pick her locks. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> they were spotted strolling through the Mountain View Grand Resort and Spa in New Hampshire shortly after his tour of the hospital. They had dinner, and according to the waitress, Ryan went back to his room with him. We were all surprised because... He is really getting on in years, and she was quite a bit younger than him, and we were all like, hmm, the server said. Giuliani admitted that he knew Ryan, but denied having a sexual relationship with her. Uh, I never spent the night with her. No proof. It can't be, because we never did anything. (laughs) Uh, The divorce lawyer, Faith Miller, did not respond to requests for comment. Of course, like I said, he denied the affair, although he added that the dinner and the movie he shared with Ryan at the spa on March 29th, five days before Nathan filed for divorce, occurred when he was, in effect, separated. Uh, I'm, uh, she's not here, therefore we are, in effect, separated. I'm in one place, she's in another, so you can say logically and empirically that she's there and I'm here. And thus we are what? Separate. Yes, that we're not together, you see. Nathan shot back in a statement, My husband's denial of the affair with the married Mrs. Ryan is as false as his claim that we were separated when he took up with her. And there is, of course, no legal filing for separation before Nathan filed for divorce. Oh, Rudy, Rudy, Rudy. Now I remember you 
had respect, guy. But you squandered all you earned. Spinning and lying and wheezing and crying as into a joke you have turned. Then Donald spoke up. But my 
for those alleged mistakes made by Avenatti, Cohen's attorney says Avenatti published several foreign transactions linking them to a Michael Cohen, but it's a different Michael Cohen, not the president's attorney. Avenatti, for his part, is characterizing what he put out as being 99% right. But those transactions were indeed different Michael Cohen's. Different Michael Cohen. Okay, Daniela, thanks very much. But even more immediate, Lady Di, is the whole situation with Paul Manafort. You know what's happening Friday, right? Yeah, more uh, indictments. Well, he's been indicted, and uh, he's also uh, had a petition to have his bail revoked. Yeah. Uh, So he's going to be arraigned again, uh, and uh, he's going to be facing a judge who will be asked to put him back in jail. And this morning... I believe it was on Katie Tour's show on MSNBC. The subject came up. President Trump's legal team is reportedly armoring up with a new legal strategy against special counsel Bob Mueller. The Daily Beast reports the president's lawyers are now teaming up with the attorneys whose clients are caught up in the Russia probe, a so-called joint defense that could give them an advantage as the probe moves ahead. MSNBC legal analyst Danny Savalos joins uh, so, Danny, the Daily Beast is reporting uh, that they're signing a joint defense agreement with um, folks that, that Mueller may be targeting or looking into. How does that work? Why is that legal? It's a clever strategy. Here's why. A joint defense agreement allows two or more defendants with a common interest to share information without losing the attorney-client privilege. Ordinarily, the privilege is between the attorney and the client. If the client tells other third parties that information, the privilege is defeated. It's waived. It goes away. Poof. In the case of a joint defense agreement, it allows that defendant to communicate with his co-defendant's lawyers so long as they have a common interest and a common mission. The reason it's exceptionally important and probably a very good strategy is that it's also non-waivable. So in other words, if one of those defendants, uh, like we've already seen, uh, decides to cooperate with the federal government, then that privilege it still stays. They cannot uh, reveal that information that they learned during the privilege to the government or to federal investigators. Manafort and Gates had this for a little while, and that's how we knew that Gates ended up cooperating. They, they broke that joint defense agreement, right? Well, that's the, that's the, the signal. If, yeah. if one of the co-defendants suddenly withdraws from the agreement, that can only mean that they're no longer part of the joint defense agreement because they're going to cooperate. And this is tricky territory because when you look at somebody like Paul Manafort, who has been accused by Mueller's team of breaking the terms of his bond, trying to influence witnesses uh, by, by getting them on the same page, according to Mueller, Manafort denies this. This kind of sounds like the same sort of thing. Why is, why is it legal in this instance and not legal in the other instance? It's uh, the privilege can always be defeated if it's abused and U.S. attorneys uh, show increasing hostility to joint defense agreements because uh, they argue that it's abused by defendants who use them to just expand the scope of privilege. And they U.S. attorneys would argue further with their co-defendants and and use privilege for reasons uh, that are not what it was originally intended for. So if this is so advantageous for the president, why wasn't. Why did they do it sooner? I mean, we're over a year into this investigation. Uh, that's a, I have to tell you, strategically, they might have done it. Maybe the president and his team didn't think they needed it at the outset. But at this point, 
it would be a clear signal that the only reason to get involved in a joint defense agreement now is to silence your co-defendants. Maybe something's arisen that the team has decided, hey, we have to silence these people if they become defendants does, or co-defendants. Does, uh, does that make Paul Manafort want to cooperate less? Paul Manafort's an interesting situation. His ship may already be sinking. As we move towards Friday, which I am certain uh, the day will end with him being incarcerated pending his trial. You're certain about this? I'm pretty money certain, yes. Wow. Yeah, I'll put money on it. Save the tape and we'll come <laughs> back to it. But at least in cases, I've had this happen yeah. where my client or all defense lawyers have had their client uh, create a situation where you have to re decide whether or not they violated the terms of their pretrial release. And if what Manafort did is true or the court determines there's probable cause that it happened, then it's very, very likely that he's going in and remaining there until trial. Danny Savalos in his Southern Gentleman lawyer suit today. Why, yes. I think you look great. <laughs> it's true. It's true. The law has made it clear. The first indictment set the atmosphere. Bob Mueller is the special prosecutor. He is a thorough and exacting sort. He's building up a case with brick and mortar. And Manafort. He started with a sharp 12 count indictment. The sort of thing they like in federal court. He's generated media excitement with Manafort. 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 It seems the news caused quite a thump. But Paul Manafort. Manafort. Can lead to Donald Trump. No one should think the investigating ends here. He's only the first domino to fall. It's news of great import, the history-making sort. And things will never be the same for Paulie Manafort. Do you really believe Manafort can lead to the overthrow of Donald Trump? Of course I do. Once a rat starts squeaking, it's hard to get him to stop. Especially when it's the rat's tail that is in the trap. Precisely, my dear. Manafort? Manafort? I know it's starting to make sense. Why, Paul Manafort? Manafort? Selected Michael Pence. And now he spills his guts to federal agents. He will turn rat to cut a better deal. There's nothing he can do as Miller turns the screw to get cooperation now from Polly Manafort. Well, that was the original indictment. He has since been indicted not only in the D.C. court, but in a uh, court for, uh, federal district for Eastern Virginia. And if memory serves me correctly, Di, there's been two subsequent uh, indictments. Uh, I think the total charges against him now is like 25 charges. Some, yeah. I, I might be wrong. 
but he's facing the rest of his natural life in jail. Uh, his former son-in-law has turned uh, government witness, and now he's having his bail revoked, probably on Friday, into the Hooskow. If he's not going to talk, he's going to be spending the rest of his life in yeah, jail. Yeah, well, this is what happens when you tamper with witnesses. Yeah, well, that's the least of his crimes, but uh, you would think that somebody who is out on bond with two ankle bracelets would know better than to engage in that kind of behavior. But this is a tale yet to be told. This has been Broadway Bill. Choose the news. Bill and Lady Die here. We'll see you next time. We hope you enjoyed the show half as much as you would have if it had been twice as good.